Because I think if you're from Connecticut, you can kind of like make fun of it a little bit. But if you're outside of Connecticut, you don't really get to say. Mm. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> Hi, it's Nick and Nick, and this is Better Together, where we explore women's stories through life's major changes and transformations and the support they found along the way. Welcome, Annie. Hi. Hello. It's great to be here with y'all. Thank you for being here with us. I'm so excited. Yay. Where, before we forget, where are you talking to us from what's around you what are you looking at where are you Ooh, okay so physically located in washington dc mm-hmm. um i'm sitting on my couch under a weighted blanket yes <laughs> needed um, yes yes and my dog luna is just running all around so if you hear a squeaky toy i'm sorry no apology she deserves the world <laughs> in one of our episodes <laughs> episode two maybe my dog makes a very loud jingle jangle mm-hmm. with the collar it is like santa coming to town kind of jingle bells like it is so loud so we are always dog friendly yeah Tis the season love it <laughs> so true tell us a little bit about yourself but in a fun way like what are a couple of things that you think people should know about you Ooh, all right so well, first of all, my name is Annie Guisueta. I'm originally from Connecticut, and that's how I met Nikki. Yes. Um, and I am a congressional staffer on the Hill, um, which is crazy in itself. But uh, mm. never really thought I was going to leave Connecticut for most of my life. I was just going to stay there. Um, I love Connecticut, and I can't wait to go back. Life just kind of led me here, and... I really, in terms of identity, like I really find my identity through my family. I come from a lovely Peruvian family. Um, I'm the first, I'm a first generation Peruvian American. So that, I love that part about myself. Um, have really great food. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, so definitely recommend. Hobbies wise, I'm trying to read more. Um, I know Nikki and I have exchanged some book titles and so that's how I've been trying to occupy my somewhat free time and my dog mom love, love my little pup Yay. Um, who's staring at me right now. Very confused. And then <laughs> a new dog mom. Is that right? I think Nikki told me recent dog mom, like year ish. Yes. So if we can count that as recent, I'm still yes. trying to figure it out. And I really love electronic dance music. Nice. I'm a low-key raver. Could not tell. <laughs> I'm here for that. <laughs> I don't think I knew that about you, so awesome. I, now I'm curious, what what do you love so much about Connecticut? Obviously, I live here. It's great, but you sound like you have a deep appreciation for the state, and now I'm just curious what it is about it. I mean, there's so many different things, but it's... I was very fortunate to live and grow up in West Hartford, Connecticut, and that comes with a lot of privilege. And now being outside of it, I recognize that, like, I was blessed with an amazing public education system and just the community that I grew up with. 
Um, it definitely helped shape my worldview and prepare me to kind of grow up and be the professional in the professional world and just like personal life. It's also where my family is just physically located. I mm. Everyone's kind of in like a 20, 40 minute radius and I'm like the furthest one away. Um, so the people there are really awesome. But yeah, I just love Connecticut. It really makes me sad when people talk poorly about it. Because <laughs> um, I think if you're from Connecticut, you can kind of like make fun of it a little bit. But if you're outside of Connecticut, you don't really got to say. Mm. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> What's it been like um, as someone that's very family-based being relocated in D.C.? How has that been transition-wise for you? Truthfully, it was like a little bit of a culture shock, which mm. I don't think people really expect as a reaction. Um, like I said, I grew up in a town that was very diverse, Um and I was exposed to just people from all walks of life. And then I came to D.C. and it was in a predominantly white um, workplace. So being removed from not only my family, but just people who looked like me, that was really difficult um, in terms of transitioning. I've luckily been able to find a community here that, um, has been super supportive and, mm. you know, can't thank like FaceTime enough to be able to video chat into holidays or even just like catching up when physically seeing somebody's face. Um, and I think all of us in these <laughs> unprecedented times have relied on <laughs> the number yeah. of times I hear that in like commercials and just my daily life now. And I feel like once we hit the year mark, it's not unprecedented anymore, right? I mean, I felt that after six months, okay, not really unprecedented. We we got it. Right. And yet we continue to top ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Too real, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes, yeah, so we're certainly grateful over here, you know, being able to share our lives and our new baby via FaceTime. So I relate to that very much. It has made distance and staying apart a little bit more bearable. So you said on the hill. I don't know what that means. That is very fair. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so Thank you. I, I needed apologize. that also. It's like cool kid lingo and we're just like, where is she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I kind of reflect and I hate myself because I use language that I would never use had I not moved um like let me circle back to you (laughs) so so silly but it's just now part of my vocabulary yeah um but yes so the hill that I'm referring to is Capitol Hill which has been making its name around the news or headlines Mm. as of late yes Um, I think I've heard yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) it encompasses both chambers the house and the senate um and then the capitol itself um and i work on the house side for a member of congress very cool what what does that look like for you right now in the wake of the riots and the new level of insanity that we reached yeah i am still trying to figure that out and i think my colleagues and peers are doing the same um for the most part because of the other ongoing crisis of the pandemic mm, yes. we've been mostly virtual and have been able luckily been able to adapt to that and have the 
technology and the means to do um, most of our work from home. Yeah, it's a very different dynamic. And I know that we're all struggling with how do we feel safe on campus? And can we like, it's really sucks to say out loud, but can we trust law enforcement at this point? And Mm -hmm. because there was obvious security gaps that day, but then at the same time, there were so many officers who were there who were doing who were doing their jobs and they just lacked the resources they needed mm. so as a collective community we're just we're, we're trying to figure it out and yeah it's hard yeah of course especially when it's i don't know i think like we're still coping with the pandemic being virtual figuring out new ways to do our jobs and then for an attack of that nature to come down and, and to wonder about safety and where we go from here. That's, it's unimaginable. Yeah. And to that point, you know, like if you're from watching from the outside, you think of Capitol Hill and you just think of the members and even maybe their staffers, but there's so many other workers on that complex. There's the cafeteria workers, the maintenance workers, mm-hmm. um, just, just a whole group of people that are always just behind the scenes and it it affects them too and you know we were fortunate enough to continue on with the proceedings that day but because of the work of these behind the scenes folks like Mm -hmm. they had to clean up all the damage that had happened yeah um, and then clean everything because hello there's still a pandemic so they had to sanitize things so all of those things had to happen in order to continue protecting the Constitution and upholding the Constitution. Like, it sounds cheesy to say out loud, but that's literally what the job is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and people just forget that they exist when they're very much part of this. Mm. Something I didn't think of um, until someone had pointed it out after the attack was the IT people. And the amount of work they're going to have to do to scrub everything clean, basically, and make sure, like, cameras aren't there. We weren't hacked in any way. There weren't any firmware viruses. These are only phrases I've heard lately, so I'm not (laughs) entirely involved in that world. But, you know, like, the amount of hours they are going to have to put in as a group and, and be behind the scenes, like you said, to keep work going is just insane. And so definitely a lot of unsung heroes throughout the yes. entire campus. No, totally agree. Um, but yeah, even on like the technology infrastructure site, like in the moment, we weren't even sure if we could send emails through our emails because we were seeing reports that um, technology devices had been stolen. Mm. So it's, we have no idea at this point, like what's compromised and yeah, but we still have to carry on and, the government so we are powering through because we have to do it this is the work and um the members of congress were elected to represent their constituents so here we are here you are and very proud of you for doing so because i think one i know you do a lot of great work at baseline but i think continuing to do the work after something like this takes a lot of courage a lot of pride in the work a lot just a huge commitment and so I think it's worth noting that 
you are a very strong, capable person, but that we're very proud Mm -hmm. of you for continuing to do what you do. Yes, 100%. Thanks. It's hard for me to take compliments, but I think it's because I was... You're in great uh, company. Yes. <laughs> I was socialized this way and I'm working on it. So yes. I appreciate your words. It makes me uncomfortable, but thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh, that is my soul. Yes. yes. We could, we've commented about this in the past. And I think just as women in general, we struggle to just say thank you. And not anything else and not (laughs) fluff it up with anything or, oh, stop, or, oh, you know, it was a team effort. And, you know, there's a time and a place for that as well. But I do, I, I resonate with the struggle of just sitting in praise. It's uncomfortable. As we all shrink down into our shoulders. Yes. Yes. I want to get to the point where I'm like, yeah, I am great. I am awesome. (laughs) Uh, So I guess along those lines... Obviously, being in politics, especially right now, carries a lot of weight. It's a burden. But I think something Nicole and I talked about when we were, you know, debriefing who we wanted to chat with, I think one of the things I think you can shed some light on is being a woman in politics, working for other women, working with other women, and what that dynamic has been like for you. Yes. So I think... I wasn't prepared to come to Washington. Um, so I really had no idea what to expect, but all of my like perceptions came from like, I don't know, TV. Mm -hmm. Um, so I always thought it would be like a cutthroat city where you're just in it for yourself and that mentality. Well, when I got here, I realized there are so many genuine people that are willing to help you out. Um, whether it be like other women, um, helping other women or other staffers of color, helping other staffers of color. Um, and it's just comforting to know that that exists. Well, like, I'm not saying that there aren't those people that are like, ha, me, 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 me. Those people definitely exist. But, um, I've been able to surround myself with people who even across party lines have been able to help me, um, I, so like, I'm just grateful that those people exist and, you know, public servants aren't in it for the money. Mm. Like there are people who get into public service are in it to genuinely help the community and the country move forward. And while they may have differences of how to get to a better place, like everything does and hopefully does come from a good place. So I do really love that aspect. Um, I've been able to rely on mentors, but um, ones that I've gained here and then ones from back home uh, who have just been really great sounding boards and um, have been able to guide me. So I'm also very lucky in that aspect. But it's hard. Like, (laughs) I keep on saying that, you know, the hours are very long and it's hard, like any job to have a work-life balance is Hmm. almost impossible but you know just speaking to this week like we went through this horrific attack on third on wednesday and then the next day i just like had to keep on going Mm -hmm. um while still processing the feelings Mm -hmm. um but if we're not doing the work then progress isn't happening so it's like hard to have that (laughs) weight We also just started this Congress. Like we 
the members of Congress were sworn in on Sunday. So it's barely been a week. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I feel for the new members of Congress who on their third day yeah. had to go through this tragic event. So find your people, mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. you, wherever you work and whatever situation be, I find people that you trust and who can call you out and be like, you're, that's probably not the best idea. So being able to be upfront with your friends, I think that's also super important. If you can't call it your friends, then are you really friends? So true. Yeah. I think it's one of the most important qualities in friendship is to be able to do that because you can find anyone who's going to tell you, you know, it was going to be a yes man, yes woman. But yes, I think the the reverse of that or the flip side of that is much more challenging and it takes, sometimes it takes time, but it takes just a solid foundation in friendship to be able to do that. So I think that's great. I hate confrontation too. So mm. like I struggle with that, but I know that I can't get better unless someone's being upfront with me and even if I don't want to hear it mm-hmm. and it makes me uncomfortable um yeah you just don't want a yes person yeah yeah are the reasons that you got into politics the same reasons you stay or has that evolved I think at a very basic level it has like I started out my career in nonprofit work um, and they all kind of were based on the same type of mission. So whether it be like women advocacy or empowerment, um, professional development, community building, those were just kind of like the core missions that all of the organizations I worked for. And then, I mean, I don't want to get like too partisan, but after the 2016 election, I felt like a call to action and wanted to do more and an opportunity opened up in a congressional office and it was very much a pay cut. <laughs> um, mm. I'm being real, mm. but I wanted to explore what that may be. Cause I really had no idea what a congressional office did other than I just thought it was like the figurehead and they went to vote in Washington and that mm-hmm. was the extent of it. Shame. Um, so you're telling me that's not it <laughs> there. No, it's actually so much more. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's so many things that a congressional office can help you with if you are struggling with any sort of federal agency. As It can be as simple as you not getting your mail in a timely manner or some like issues with the IRS, especially right now with um, the stimulus checks. So if you if there's some sort of discrepancy, you're not getting, you didn't get the stimulus check, um, but you know that you should have. Those are issues that your member of Congress can help you with. So hmm. the job that I found was a very entry-level job so it was just like answering phones but I loved it yeah and yeah I was answering phones but I was kind of like the first line of defense between hearing from the constituents directly Mm. so people would call in and talk about an issue that they're going through and oftentimes people just wanted to be heard they were welcome to offer an opinion on legislation or if they needed um, actual help with an agency, but most of the time it was just, they just were so desperate and just needed help and someone to listen to them. And I think that's all of us sometimes mm. that we just need absolutely an outlet and someone to pick up the phone and just listen and not give you advice or being like, you should have done this X, Y, Z. And um, while sometimes what they were saying was a little crazy, <laughs> um, <laughs> 
just being nice to people on the phone can go a long way. Mm. Yeah. And then helping people that my favorite thing to do. Um, so one of my favorite things that we got to do was recognize a world war two veteran, mm. um, on his 90th birthday. Wow. And, um, he wasn't expecting, he was just going to the soup kitchen that he worked at for his, basically his entire like career. Um, and he was finally retiring from that. And in order to honor him, we like all showed up and presented him with a flag. He's a World War II veteran. And the whole time he kept on saying, I'm not a hero. Like I didn't do anything. Yeah. Sir, you, you're a hero. You did a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Please also enjoy this cake. With compliments, I think. <laughs> Please enjoy yeah. this cake. I love that. <laughs> it's the least we could do. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And on top of that, he continued serving his community on the local level mm-hmm. and worked at the soup kitchen. So yeah. it's those moments that just like remind me why this is so important. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then even after Wednesday, that just like reaffirmed how much I want to be in this field. And there's obviously a lot of work to do, but if I don't know, if I'm not here, then who's going to push on forwards? Mm-hmm. Such a valid point. And I think your journey through it too is such a testament to every level matters. Mm-hmm. Every level has an impact. So if it's something you're passionate about and it's as simple sometimes when you water it down as helping people, you're right. Answering the phone makes a huge difference. And so just for anyone listening in any of our countries of listeners, because Canada, I hear you're so many more a listening. We're in like to Canada. 15 countries. It's crazy. Yeah. Canada was the first. Yes. So they get always special. in their heart. Yes. Yeah. We should get them a cake. As recognition. Yes. The whole country, the because we're not quite sure who the one listener is. We will get you all cake. <laughs> I want to circle back because, yes, we love answering phones and being on the front line, but you are no longer just answering the phones. You have worked your way up and I believe recently have advocated for yourself and are in a newly defined role, I believe. And so what was that process like? Because I think, again, specifically as as women in the working world, it's one of the hardest things to do for all of our, you know, learned socialized behaviors to do that, to seek out the promotions, to advocate for ourselves, to tell someone why we deserve either more responsibility or a different position or whatever. And so what was that process like for you? Mm. Well, first of all, this is difficult. I'm 28, so I can't say that I've had this like super long career and I'm a career woman. (laughs) Like I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, We all are. But like, (laughs) yeah. So just one thing that I've learned so far is that no one is going to advocate better for you than yourself. Mm. I know that I've come gone into rooms where I had hoped like someone would have my back and they fell silent. And so you just have to know your worth. And that's kind of what I took and how I handled my quote unquote negotiation. I recognized that I was doing a lot. There was a lot of trust being put on me. So I was able to, you know, outline all the things that 
I'm technically supposed to do and the stuff that kind of went above and beyond. And I went in with a plan too. Like these are the professional development things that um, courses that I'm going to need to get to the place that I want to be. I'm prepared to take on these new responsibilities or stuff that's Mm -hmm. important to me or that I'm, it's going to help me long-term. That's kind of how I approach things. But had this been a few years ago, I would have never had the guts to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear no so often that it kind of gets in your head. And then there's the whole imposter system, like syndrome being like, Mm -hmm. am I really supposed to be here? (laughs) Am I qualified? Yep. In my case, I still felt those things but then when I put everything down on paper being like I'm already doing this job so um I'm not necessarily asking for much so yeah I'm now the director of operations for my office I'm sorry wow (laughs) big deal that is huge congratulations thanks it's still very new so I'm kind of trying to figure out how I feel about it or just saying it out loud is so yeah yeah for sure well deserved I wish I could give you cake (laughs) (laughs) everybody deserves cake cake for everyone yes yes what does diversity look like in politics oh small question for you (laughs) um right now not great um I think from when I got to Washington, it's on a federal level, just speaking from um, Congress, it's definitely gotten a lot better, like going from the 115th Congress to the 116th Congress, like it was kind of like night and day. Um, Like I said, when I first got here, it was a predominantly white workforce and um, same thing on the member level. Then the 116th Congress happened, and it was the most diverse Congress to date, and it's Mm. gone up since then. Um, There's the most women member of Congress this term. So um, that's amazing. Yeah. And while those steps are being made, it also has to trickle down to the staff level um, because you need diverse, diverse voices and these spaces and um you know it's taxing on when you're the only woman on a team or if you're the only staffer of color on the team um and it's Mm. you don't want to be the token but at the same time you want to make sure that all perspectives are being considered yeah um, on any level like whether it's trying to put forth a bill or even just in terms of hiring, like, interns. You want to – it matters on all the levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm part of the Congressional Hispanic Staff Association where we help advance and um, support Hispanic and Latino staffers on the Hill. Um, it's nonpartisan, so there's just resources and workshops and um, mentorship opportunities for um, Hispanic and Latino staffers and – that has helped me so much. Yeah. And with them, like I, that's where I've found a few of my mentors, but you know, it's so hard to get here. One of the biggest things that 
we face, the challenges that we face is the financial barriers because DC is so expensive to live in. It's one of the most expensive cities to live in. And then usually like the positions that have the most turnover are on the entry level side. So you're asking someone to potentially move across country to on the low side, make $20,000. So that's barely a livable income for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. And I think that's just kind of crazy that you would ask anyone to live on that. Um, but like a recent grad moving to a new city, like that's just so much. So, you know, there's work to be done, but we're a resource to help folks move up. And I'm so thankful that it exists. You do such a great job with that group, by the way. I remember being quite pregnant and uh, being asked to teach a, a Zoom bar class, I think. It was obviously a few months ago now. But I see you posting about all sorts of stuff that the organization does and, and events that you all host even virtually now. And I think that that's an incredible opportunity, a space to feel welcome, a space to be around people that – you can be your full self with. And so I, I love that opportunity. Yeah. It's a wonderful group of people. And um, like I said, I'm so lucky that I found them. Um, they're like my little home away from home. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like the professional survive, professional development side is super important, but then there's the whole like community building aspect. You know, a lot of us are first generation Americans, like first generation um, college students or college graduates. So we're navigating a world that our family has, doesn't know how to navigate or really doesn't understand. Um, so it's nice to be surrounded by people who are trying to figure it out and they're to lend a hand um, or even just let you vent. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit more about that because selfishly my husband his mom and him uh and he english <laughs> they immigrated <laughs> to the states when he was very young i think around 5 years old uh so maybe even a little before that he's going to hear me from the other room and shame me for not knowing his whole life story <laughs> uh 4 or 5 or somewhere around there uh from <laughs> colombia and so I've seen firsthand the impact that that has on him being an immigrant himself. And um, just curious what that relationship has been like for you mm-hmm. when you feel that identity being most salient in your life. Uh, and on a joking level, I saw that your dad spelled your name wrong on, I think, a Christmas present. Uh, and so, you know... <laughs> Just a little bit about your focus in general, I guess. Uh, yeah, so my dad did spell my name wrong. And he also signed <laughs> the gift as dad, which he, which was weird because he's usually Bobby. Um, uh, I see. So I was calling him out for all the things that day. <laughs> he had a lot going on. He had a lot. So I was like, who's dad? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I... I've always felt more Peruvian than American just because that's how I grew up. Like I've never 
been ashamed of being American in any way. It's just I grew up in a very Peruvian household, and that made me proud to have that piece of me. And, you know, I grew up speaking both languages, and I'm, like, incredibly thankful for that. Like, my accent comes through in Spanish a little bit, but I'm able to mm. carry on conversations with um, with that side of my family that's only Spanish-speaking um, with my grandparents. Like, that's super important to me. Mm. I'm very lucky in that sense. Growing up, I kind of stuck out. Like, I just couldn't always relate to everybody on the same level. Um, mm. I mean... My last name is very different. <laughs> um, and there's like a Z in there. So that like throws people off. Mm-hmm. Just sitting in a classroom and going through roll call or attendance. They see Anne Marie and they're like, oh, that's super easy. And then they see my last name. And so they just, teachers don't even try to say my last name. But when I would raise my hand and be like, hi, I'm Anne Marie. They'd be like, you? You're Anne Marie? Mm. So mm. I always struggled with that. And I was like, you know, had my parents chosen like Ana Maria or something along those lines then there would have been no question and even I've always spoken like I can't even speak (laughs) I've always (laughs) been able to speak English and Spanish but you know both my brother and I were put in ESOL classes Hmm. because of our name like they didn't even Hmm. ask us if we needed those resources. So wow. I remember like, I coming home. <laughs> I remember coming home being like, hey, mom, they put me in this really cool class. And she was like, I don't, that, no. And my brother didn't tell my parents until like a couple years later. <laughs> because why, like, boys don't communicate well. Or at least my brother right. doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, the assumptions and perceptions of people had um of us but you know I've never been shy about my culture or my family in any sense um I like I said I'm so thankful you know the fact that I am I graduated college I am now working for congress like that's most literally like the American dream you know Mm. my grandparents went to school like my grandfather went to school into the third grade and then he had to go work in the fields and then my grandmother had to work had to stop going to school because she had to take care of her 12 14 siblings wow after her mother died so like the fact that I am the product of all their sacrifice I don't do enough (laughs) um (laughs) So I just want to live up to all of their hopes and their dreams. Hmm. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yes, and I want you to know you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to say you're fabulous. Thanks. <laughs> when your grandparents and your parents came over, how did they land on Connecticut? You know, I asked the same question. <laughs> um, my parents actually met in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, through just a bunch of Peruvians would play soccer on the weekends. Um, and through mutual friends, they kind of came together. 
which is, I think is like hilarious because people just assume that they met in Peru and then came over together, but right. they found each other here. Mm. My mom's side of the family, they started in Florida. Ah, Florida. It's me. Hey. Full circle. <laughs> what a weird place. <laughs> it is. It's very strange here. <laughs> so, um, and then ended up moving up north. And then my dad's family, they just came directly or went directly to Connecticut. Um, there is a large Peruvian community in the Hartford area. Um, so my, like, my grandfather on my mom's side was kind of, uh, not a leader, but he helped, like, organize, like, events and get people together. So, like, there were so many people from his hometown, which is, like, maybe a thousand people, if that, in the middle of the Andes Mm. Mountains. So they all kind of just came together. And, um, I grew up with that community. Very fortunate that. I'm one of like the only grandchildren, my brother and I, who have been able to travel to his hometown. It's mm. like eight hours outside of Lima, or it's twelve hours outside of Lima, but you can only get as far as the next largest city on a bus. That's eight hours away, and then it's a four-hour drive up a mountain. Wow! Hop, skip, and a jump. A little bit. <laughs> I'll be right over. <laughs> All right. We are going to move into quick six. Oh, I'm so nervous. Where we rapid fire, but it has never been rapid. <laughs> Ever. Like, don't let that. Six, six questions. Take as much time as you need. Uh, and there's no rhyme or reason to these questions. They just popped in our head and we're going to ask them. Okay. Who would you like to ask your questions first? Nick with the C. That's yeah. me. Okay. All right. I'm glad that we're here today, Annie. I'm so happy. <laughs> you brought me so much joy, so thank you. Oh, good. First question. What is your favorite word to say in Spanish? Mm. So this has been a question I've been asked in the past and I've been laughed at with my response. My favorite word is just que. So like what? Q-U-E. Mm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And when I said that to my Spanish teacher in high school, he was like, you speak Spanish. <laughs> you can have, you know all of the words. You could pick any one. That's a good one. I love that. I like it. It's simple. Also, I say it a lot in English in my own life. I'm like, no, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> just mm-hmm. can't get past it. That is a frequent flyer word over here. Okay. Sometimes. <laughs> Second question. What color is your toothbrush? Oh, my toothbrush is boring. It's white. Not boring if you like it. We'll allow it. Was it was just a default color. But if I, like, have a travel, if I go to, like, CVS and I need a travel toothbrush, I usually pick green. Okay. I like that, too. Mm, Okay. Okay. I gave you more than what you asked, but here we are. I will take anything. Are you kidding (laughs) me? Like, I don't have a toothbrush. I'd be like, all right, number three. (laughs) Okay. Third question. Nikki and I don't like to do resolutions because it's too much of a commitment. 365 days. We're not here for it. So 
Also, wait, before you ask that question, do you know how many messages, don't give me that face, do you know how many messages I got from folks after the 365 days episode saying that 2020 was 366 days long? Well, no one told me that. Everyone loved me, so sorry. (laughs) Everyone was like, first of all, you're spreading fake news and incorrect information. (laughs) Math is hard, okay? I almost flipped a table. Who I, was it one of those weird leap year things? Is that what it is where we get an extra day? I, guess. I don't know. I don't know. It was that so was long eons ago. ago. Like, we can't <laughs> remember that, that was far last back. year. We're moving on. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Okay. So you don't have to commit to it for the whole year. What okay. is one word you would hold on to for 2021? So I did one of those like weird like Instagram story things that's like screenshot and that's going to be your word for the year. Yeah, so yeah. I'm holding on mm-hmm. to that. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, my word was yes. Okay. Oh. So. Okay. I'm going to. I think it's Shonda rhymes it and say yes. Yeah. Do it. I'm here for it. I love that. Love that. Love that. Okay. I have to make a cut because I had. You okay. had toothbrush had, too. I had, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I just try and build in an extra one in case for some reason we have a repeat question, but literally my brain would never have asked what color toothbrush you have. So I don't know why I'm ever fearful. We're going to have overlapping questions. It will never. My brain is so weird. I appreciate it. Okay. What is a show that you could watch a thousand times over? Good day, bad day. You throw that on and you're like, yes, I'm here for it. There's so many. I watch so much. List them all. TV. So I just made Mark re I rewatched it, but he watched it for the first time. One Tree Hill. It is so incredibly mm. cheesy, but it's also super dramatic and like mindless television. So yep. um Dawson's Creek is another one. Okay. okay. Um if you're just like getting I, there's a theme here. Um <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's like a lot of feelings, cheesy teen mm. dramas, um, Friday Night Lights. Also another one. I have not seen any of those three that you listed. I feel like I need to confess that. I've seen like one or two episodes. I haven't followed it. Uh, I will tell you my like guilty pleasure show. James hates it. Um, The Vampire Diaries. I've never seen it. Oh my God. I don't even know you. (laughs) It's angsty (laughs) and ridiculous. And I'm like, yes, let me watch it again. Oh my goodness. I will I will okay. watch that and report back. Nikki might edit this portion out, so like just DM me. It'll be We don't need the world listening to any more <laughs> shows like that. Um, All right, second question. Your go to coffee order. Oh, it's really boring right now. It's okay. It's yours. Get... It's not boring. It's a little boring. Um I'm a boring person. <laughs> No, not at my all. My white toothbrush, my boring coffee order. <laughs> <laughs> um, my go-to coffee order right now is a medium iced coffee with almond milk. It's very Ooh. basic. I'm into it, though. I'm into it. Into it. Okay, last one. <laughs> it's not even that funny. Okay, do you... Okay, do you sleep with socks or 
nudie toes. Nudie. That's what was making me laugh. Was I wanted to ask it. So first of all, feet, re- feet really freak me out. <laughs> okay. Especially as we like dangle them in the camera. Cool. <laughs> um, no, I don't sleep with socks. That makes me feel weird. <laughs> Same. Okay, no socks. Nudie toes. You're nudie I'm a toes. toes. <laughs> I'm 50-50. It depends. So one sock Oddly enough. No socks. <laughs> yeah, like, what does that mean? Oh God, that would make me feel very weird. Uh, no, I if I shower right, but if I take a nighttime shower, shower right before bed, I have to wear socks to bed. I feel like the only way I can explain it is that I like trap in that like warm, cozy shower feeling in my sock. If <laughs> now I don't I know you, like, so. <laughs> I feel like this part will be edited. Um, And I feel like, yeah, if I don't, like if I took a morning shower, then I I want to take like the day off. So like the socks also come off and I sleep Mm. with nudie toes. Got it. In conclusion. Nudie toes for all. (laughs) Everyone likes nudie toes. Oh, I love it. Thank you for participating. I promise we won't name your episode nudie toes. Please. Well, I can't. No, promise, I'm kidding. I promise I, I won't. That part. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I won't. I won't. I have a couple working titles over here. We'll see where I land. But that was awesome. Yes, oh my gosh. Thank I you. I have learned so much. Thank you. Truly honored. I, I quite literally took notes. So I appreciate you. I don't have a whole lot of information, <laughs> but I'm glad that it was whatever I said was helpful. I just feel like I rambled. Rambling is good. That's how we share stories. You just came at everything so honestly and open, and I just love that. Thank you. I love this. Your podcast is so fun. Thanks. As, like, a listener and now guest. Heck yes. Yes. We'd love to hear that. It's a lot of fun for us to do, so it's great when other people, one, have fun recording with (laughs) us, but also enjoy it (laughs) as a listener. Uh here and abroad (laughs) yeah thank you canada (laughs) all right thank you thank you thank you and until next time girl Yeah. yeah bye bye we're so glad you joined us this week if you enjoyed this episode please like subscribe leave us a review it really means a lot until next time remember We're better together.